this is Kelly Dixon back with the Breaking Bad Insider podcast. We're here today talking about episode 506, which is called Buyout. Um, I'm here with Vince Gilligan. Hello. Here with Betsy Brandt, who plays Hello. Marie. Here with Dave Porter, our composer. Hello. And here with the wonderful writer of this episode, Jenny Hutchison. Hello. Newly engaged Jenny Hutchison, I must say. Yay. Big rock. Thank you. <laughs> I put my sunglasses on. <laughs> <laughs> they blind it. Very nice. So uh, this this episode was it. This is like I guess aftermath from the last episode. First thing we see is aftermath from the riveting uh, ending that you had previously. Yes. Should so, we talk, talk about who Jenny's engaged to first, though? Oh, okay. Let's talk more about. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> give a shout I, out. I, to I didn't want to embarrass Jenny anymore. Yes. <laughs> Should I, do you want me to say? <laughs> you, um, you know who it is, right? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. I do. I do. It, it was an arranged thing. No, um, I'm engaged to Breaking Bad's very own associate producer, Andrew Ortner. Andrew, Yay. my buddy. Andrew. Yay. We not Congrats. only entertain, we make yeah. marriages. Yeah. You That's know right. what? I take personal credit for this. You should. You yes. should. Yeah, you should. Because I forced them to go out on their first date together. Aww. Did you? I oh, forced I them to not. get engaged. <laughs> their parents both thanked me. They're like, oh, my God, thank God. Yeah, no. it was great. I take, well, I take no credit, but I am happy nonetheless. And I I am uh, inadvertently responsible as well for um, uh, for Deborah Winger and Arliss Howard being married. Are you serious? It You're is, like the Hollywood Yenta. I am. Who knew? I am. I, I wrote a movie called Wilder Napalm, and the one good thing oh. about that movie, Deborah Winger and Arliss Howard uh, met uh, on that movie, and they, as far as I know, are still happily married to this day. And that was 1993 that thing shot. Or oh, ni- my 92 God. maybe. came out in 93. came and out you know, for all of 10 minutes in some <laughs> Times Square theater where they mopped it, it the floors. It runs a lot every on HBO. Minutes. Does it? Yes. Wow. In, in Hollywood marriage years, that's like twice as long. Oh, that's like we double eight, that. That's like eight hundred years. Yeah, in like real yeah. life. Yeah, millions like, yeah. of years. That's that's impressive. Yeah, but congratulations, James. congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Andrew's you. a sweet guy. We love Andrew. So, jumping back to right. the fact that you just you killed a child, which you know what? It's funny because I didn't think about it. He puts people together. Yeah. He, he kills, kills children. Yeah. <laughs> He's Vince but, Gilligan. But it's like. You know, Renaissance man. <laughs> I guess pe- people were actually talking about it on the forums um, up on the internet because, you know, I don't know if if anybody, I mean, I'm sure somebody has killed a child on camera, but this was kind of a blatant killing a child. What was that episode of Brady Bunch? Back Flat with, out yeah. shot the kid yeah. on, on camera. That's when I stopped watching Brady Bunch. <laughs> so Enough. Can't do it anymore. Did, did standards and practice say anything about it? It didn't even occur to me no. until... I'll joke it aside. No, it was... Uh, no, that would be more of a... What did they... You know, what did they say? Uh, uh, well, that was episode five. That was uh, George's, but I don't recall... Um, I mean, there's always the question of, 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 you know, using good taste in the depiction of violence. Uh, and uh, there are certain sort of arcane rules. Uh, and, they, and they do vary from network to network, but uh, one of them I think that we've heard is you shouldn't see. This is odd, isn't it? And this doesn't even matter whether it's a child or not, but if you see a bullet go through someone, they don't want to see the entrance wound and the exit wound all in the same shot. Huh. Wow. Which... You know, that Did kind you of learn stuff. that? Was that like on the X Files or something? And, I, and, and it varies know? from network to network. Huh. But it, the, 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 every, it, this is a job, by the way. Yeah, we have a good guy who does it on our show. Uh, but it is a job I personally would not want because it's it's tricky and it's hard. 
it has to be a case-by-case thing, and yet it's the kind of job that feels like it needs to apply, you know, certain specific uh, non-varying rules. Uh, and yet you can't really do that with these, these moments of, of taste in, a, in, a, in your TV show or your movie or whatever. It's, well, TV show. Movies don't have standards and practices so much. They have the, uh, the MPAA board. But it's, it's a tricky thing, tricky uh, waters to navigate. I, I wouldn't want that job personally. But the guy who does it for us does a good job. And, uh, no, it was, uh, you know, it was just, you know, don't make it ridiculously gory, which we would have never done anyway. It, it's this, such a horrible moment to contemplate it's such a it's meant to be it's very disturbing and and george masters did a very excellent job uh you know directing it and the actors all did a wonderful job you don't need to gild the lily as it were by making it that would have cheapened it a little. yeah it would have cheapened that's that's well put it would have cheapened it and and no it's a very disturbing moment and uh you know meant to be and and now here in episode 506 uh buyout we are uh these guys are reaping what they have sown by by hiring uh, Todd, and and we very much enter squarely in the aftermath. You want to talk about that great uh, teaser? Yeah, tell me, Jenny, how did you guys in the writers' room decide to portray this metaphor that was really really interesting? Well, I think pretty early on we decided we really didn't want to feature the the dead the dead body of the child. It just seemed in, in very poor taste, and and again, it would cheapen the moment. So we wanted to, but we wanted to make it clear kind of what would happen. And so the bike became sort of the perfect metaphor for this kid. And so we had that very surgical kind of, and also funereal feel of like taking the bike apart and dissolving it. And then all you see of the kid is the hand, which we thought would be way more powerful than, you know, seeing this poor little kid, (laughs) you know, dead. So... That's basically how it and came to be. Very well written and very well uh, directed by Colin Buxey. Yeah. Excellent director, um, our, our, our uh, resident Brit. He's not a resident. He lives in London, but he's a, he's our resident because he's done so many episodes for us. What was this, his fourth? Uh, Season two was his first one. So yeah, yeah, I think it was his fourth. Was Third his, or fourth. I think it was his fourth as well. He, of course, started uh, with the episode of Jane dying. Uh, Jesse's oh, girlfriend. Right. Yeah, that was uh, man. Yeah. That was did a great job with that. Uh, Colin did a wonderful job with this teaser, and then you did Kelly. Uh, you did a wonderful job editing it. Thank you. And then Mr. Porter did excellent, excellent score here. I want to talk about that. I want to hear about the the process of writing that wonderful piece of music. Sure. Yeah, especially when you had to overwrite yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was uh, it was a challenging, a great challenge, first of all, and and. What actually made it even more challenging was coming off the previous week because the end of episode five has one of the biggest cues we've ever done musically in terms of length, but also in terms of um, just uh, scope in terms of, you know, very, very dense music, very, very action-packed music, obviously, for an enormous scene. Mm -hmm. And then come directly off that into this cue, which is the absolute extreme opposite for this scene, yeah. which is as spare and as sort of uh, languid and slow as we could do it, um, and funereal, as Jenny said, which was really the key word, I think, um, to give it s- as much gravity as possible, obviously, because yeah. it's uh, an enormously grave moment. Yeah. Um, but a special, very special scene for a composer to have a scene where... 
uh, you have the entire audio spectrum to yourself. That happens uh, maybe once or twice in a career. <laughs> so that was a, right. it That's was a great it was a great moment. I was a, and it was uh, obviously a, a a creative choice on our part to do that. Um, tell tell them what you mean because I, that's yeah. the kind of thing as a viewer I would not have, I I I would probably not have noticed but talk about exactly what you mean there. Well there was just there was no other sound present except for the music. Um, there was no dialogue was there ever dialogue written? It was always intended to be. It was always going to be a silent scene but there were no sound effects added right. or Right yeah. exactly. So none none of the sounds of the truck backing up or the barrel yeah. or or any, or any of the, or the, the, sound the, of the, the sounds saws of the saws or any of the, the bike disassembling. Yeah. And I don't stuff. mean that like I wouldn't have noticed as a viewer but it's it it I guess what I meant in in a positive way is that it worked so perfectly without the sound effects and without the sound of the real world going on that you it's it's hypnotic. You don't in a weird way you don't notice, which I think is is high praise. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I hope so. Mm. I certainly yeah. hope so. Um, and yeah, so what uh, Kelly was alluding to earlier is that one of the great things that we started doing from very early on in the show is um, not putting temp music in our early cuts, um, which is temporary music that the the picture editors use and the producers use while they're assembling the show, which most shows do, and it can be very very helpful in terms of um, helping build a tone and a, and a construction, um, but from a composer's standpoint, it can be a hindrance yeah. because uh, folks get tied into that music and expect whatever it is that that music does or how it sounds, yeah. um, and it gives then the composer sort of feels like it has he has or she has less leeway yeah. to do what they want creatively. Um, but this scene was so special um, and was so dependent on the score to, to make it happen that Kelly did put in some of music um, in her cuts for it which thankfully was my music <laughs> and not someone else's I never <laughs> never thought of putting anybody else what am I going to put Batman in there no. I, wanted, no. I wanted Flight of the Bumblebee I just, <laughs> no it's just funny because I remember I remember Vince you were up here for something else looking at something else and I asked you about what you intended for that scene and I said, do you, because you said, I don't want this to be like any, any montage. I, it's, it's a montage, but I don't want it to be like a montage. And I'm like, okay. And then I said, well, do you envision music at all? And you're like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, did I say that? You did. <laughs> uh, and I, I, said, I was wrong. And I looked at. And I, I what a baby elephant. I said, That's the yeah. one. That would have been good. Huh? I, thought, <laughs> I thought to myself, okay, but I started cutting, and I'm like, "This, nah, I've got to put something." So then I said to my assistant, "I said, get me all of Dave Porter's music." And he's like, "Well, there've only been you know five episodes," and I'm like, "No, all of it." Like, all of it. From the very beginning, I had him put all of it in this project, and I started listening to all of it. I'm sorry, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) And no, I just, I chose a piece. Actually, there was a piece, I think the original piece that I chose was a piece that I think was in the previous episode. Like, it was one that that you guys were listening to, and I chose that piece because I said, if you're not going to use it for that, I want it. Because I think it was a notes one where you had, you went and did a revision on it or something for a previous, hmm. for another episode. And then I used that. So it was a bit of an orphan piece of music yeah. that, that we had not used for, for reasons. I think that's right, Dave. I could be wrong. No, I, I, <laughs> but I think that's right. right. And, I and I used that in the very beginning because it had that, it had that, that, that uh, uh, ominous, uh, ominous tone to it. 
and then I picked something I think from last season or something and threw it in there and it was just it, it was magical I just I just thought it was just beautiful and I was very in love with that teaser mm -hmm. um, and then I changed it all yeah <laughs> but you made it better no yeah. you did you did well, but yeah. I can imagine though it's tricky when you, we talk of temp when what you were just talking about with temp score it it always felt to me like that's something I'm, I'm glad from the get-go we didn't do that we didn't make that a a, a philosophy of the show to have temp score because it takes so much more time for the editors and the assistants to put it together and it always feels to me like this thing better work fundamentally without music the proper music is only going to make it better but if it doesn't work on some fundamental level without music you better know that right from the get-go you don't want a bunch you don't exactly. want literally exactly you know you don't want theme music from one of the batman movies uh in a temp score hiding the fact that your scene is fundamentally undramatic flawed. or flawed that's yep. that's that's yep. you're not that's doing right. yourself any favors no you're right. not doing anyone's the composer or anybody else yeah. for that matter yeah but it's like i also knew that you know if we didn't obviously we weren't going to put sound I, I i chose not to put sound effects in it at all and I knew that if we didn't have anything in there, we're going to have to have something. No, you were wise to do it so, here. This is There's yeah, always the exception was, that bears right. out the rule. Yeah. But yeah. I, it was also, I had to put something in there for the director because, you know, we have to present to the director before we present to the producer and before we present to the network. And if there was nothing in there, it just, you know, I didn't ha know what Colin Buxy had in mind, but I also knew it wasn't going to play with nothing. So that's when I said, you know, you know, to Mel, get me, get me all of Dave's music, and they scrambled it. He and he and Sheridan scrambled around and got me all of Dave's music, and then I picked two, two cues. Um, but it was just haunting because taking apart that bike was just—it's just so. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just metaphoric. It's it's yeah. sad, very sad. It's funereal. It's sad. It's uh, and you and you as bad a guy as Walt is, and he's a bad guy now. You you. You see in his eyes, even this is a bridge too far, even for him. You see in that scene that the humanity that there is some left. In case you were wondering, at least this is the way I read it. People are free to disagree, but I see some humanity left in his eyes, and certainly in Mike's eyes. You know, and it's just it's just a rough scene. And and talk about uh, um, Jenny. Talk about the fact that I it was a big discussion how to have the little boy's hand appear out of the out of the dirt. I mean, and there's a very real logistical issue of you don't want to bury anybody, yeah. least of all a child in a right. bunch of dirt, just so you can I have his hand sticking out. That. that was a real, that was not a prosthetic. That, that, was, that was the actual kid. That was yeah. uh, Sam, Sam. Mm -hmm. who had been killed in the previous episode. He are came you serious? In. Yeah, it was actually Sam. Wow. Sam is this. Sam is a great kid who was totally up for all this stuff. I think he actually wants to be a stuntman one day, so he's kind of perfect for this role. And he is a, a motocross kid, yeah. and he is a kid who has, uh, tarantulas a tarantulas. He is, he's oh, wow. a great kid he's oh, a great God. kid he he's, was like perfect he was cool. perfect he's an all-american kid he's a sweet young man and did an excellent job in both episodes yeah. so what we did is uh we had the dump truck and um our crew built a shell basically that would co that would cover the entire back and so when you see the dirt in there the dirt is only it's a really thin layer of dirt over this shell that's been painted to match and there was a, a hole through it that was lined so that 
he could just slip his arm through. So he was just standing or crouched down in the back of the truck with Al Godo, who is our stunt coordinator, and who was there just to make sure that he was fine. And he would just stick his arm through and move it around, and we would cover it with dirt. So he was never in any danger, and he, he wasn't buried at all. The top was completely open. It's just a wall that he's basically sticking his hand through. Wow. Well, you know no what? Children when I... were harmed in this episode. <laughs> no, no. Not in this although, one. Although his older brother, his older brother, who is uh, – who's significantly older than him he's 20s i think uh was on set and he said it was it was really hard to watch him oh, you yeah. know and it had been i don't sure. think i think he'd been on set for the shooting which was just he couldn't even look but he said it was really hard to see just the hand it was really emotionally affecting and he did a good job this is gonna sound dopey saying it like hey yeah pat him on the head good job but he i just letting your hand go that limp I mean, without moving it or twitching it or anything. I oh, mean, it's so hard to look And then dead. Todd actually, I, I would imagine Todd so. actually touches dead. it. Yeah. He actually brushes past it. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I had no idea that that, that was a real actor. I didn't yeah. know if it was, a, uh, it was a fake arm or if somebody else. But I remember when I was watching as I was cutting it, I was like, boy, that kid has such long fingers. That can't be. Why would they? And then I saw episode five, and I'm like, that kid has really long fingers, so now it makes perfect sense that that <laughs> yeah. was the same it's, kid. It's 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 and now speaking of which, we did use a fake hand. Uh, we'll get to later in this in this podcast. There were fake hands. There were fake episode. hands used in this episode. <laughs> fake just hands just were used, indeed. Not in this scene. But not hurt, but fake hands were used. Well, I had no idea. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. interesting. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Um, okay, so we notice also that Jesse is not present in this demang- de- de- dismantling of the dirt bike by the way i don't think this i love the dirt i'm sorry to interrupt you i apologize i just i don't think they were going to dismantle the kid afterward because he'll fit fine in the barrel it's just absolutely not there's no dismembering they would just put him in the barrel but the idea was fit nicely in fact yes there's also also that in the next also in the next scene they're not like they would be like there would be some blood spatter somewhere and in the next scene there is none so no. yeah you no there's no dis- dismembering of a child we should not do yeah. that we're we not monsters no i know i am i'm defending it's just it's these are all joking us again the joke the humor is like gallows humor because it's this are it's disturbing talking this stuff through you got to talk through every step in the writer's room of everything that Walt does and, 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 and Mike does and all these guys, you know, would – and and this – and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but lead, this gets us back to where we were. Would Jesse be here for all this? And I and I say, hell no, and, and hence, you're right. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. just there. He's outside. Mm-hmm. And then he gives a um, – uh, he gives Todd a huge punch in the face, which is great. It was a real punch. He really did – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I gave like Todd a huge him. punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even in that scene. <laughs> and then that next scene, I love that next scene after the credits, after the title, where Todd's defending himself. You did a great job writing that scene, Jenny, because it's Thanks. his argument is it's 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 cold blooded as hell, but it's completely sound and right. logical. Yeah. That's something that was important to us when we were breaking this scene is we wanted him to be sincere and for his argument to be, a, you know, a legitimate argument, you know. And, and he's really all about this is the mission. I did exactly what it needed to be done to protect the mission, you know. So for him, he's just being a good soldier. And, you know, for Jesse, that's it's still inexcusable. What I found interesting, too, is and you guys, if you wouldn't mind Jenny and, and Vince talking about what you either talked about in the writer's room or you or Denny, you decided, you know, how you how you were going to write it. 
was that at that point, you're not really, I wasn't actually, when I was watching it, I wasn't actually sure which side of the issue Walt was actually on. You know, you can't really, oh. I felt like I couldn't really tell. Good. If, if, I mean, you can see that Jesse is, you know it's absolutely which side Jesse is on. You can probably interpret which side uh, Mike is on. But Walt is kind of the wild card in it, and he's got a lot to think about. So can you guys, did you guys talk about that in the writer's room, or is that something that you may have talked about with Colin on the set and Brian on the set? Or I think it was always meant to be ambiguous, because the idea is if, if Todd hadn't shot this child, what would they have right. done? <clears throat> so there's always, and, and obviously Jesse feels that they would have come up with some other reason, but I think Walt, part of him is like, what would, you know, and he even says, what if the kid had talked, you know, what if he had said to anybody what he had seen? So I yeah. think it's, it's meant to be a little ambiguous, and maybe Walt himself doesn't even know for sure what side he's on. I, I can't think to this day another way i'm not saying that was the right thing to happen it was a terrible thing to, uh, and, and and but they probably would be in jail right now or facing the threat of it because i don't know how else you get out of that i'm not saying this was the right way to go but but todd's argument is logical if 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 horrifically cold-blooded they're, they're, i can't think of another way to this day out of this thing well mike mike has that line you know there are people that get away with it, and then there are people who leave witnesses behind. Mike had, you're exactly right, in episode 505 the week before, that the table had been very carefully set, and and uh, it was indeed Jesse's plan, which is why he has even extra guilt about this, because it was Jesse's plan. What if we rob this train and no one and no one even knows the train got ripped off? And and you're right, and then the table was set with Mike saying, two kinds of heists, those where the guys get away with it, and then those where, we, where they leave witnesses. And, yeah, the thing was front-loaded very deliberately. And uh, it's a really interesting scene. And, and Jesse Plemons does a great job playing Todd. And this is really the episode, you know, we, we, we uh, eased Jesse Plemons' character of Todd into this show. Mm -hmm. Very, very, uh, we dipped his toe in the water in that first episode three. Mm -hmm. I think when Jesse showed up on the set, Jesse Plemons showed up, he was like, you guys want me to play just like a third banana on a crew that puts <laughs> a tent on a house? He didn't say it in like an e egotistical way, just sort of puzzled, like, well, what am I doing here? And then, yeah, this is, this is where he comes, really comes, starts coming into his own in the sense of, you know, who is this guy and, and you know, and I think, you know, we're talking about Walt. I think Walt, you know, who it's the character <laughs> this is gonna sound like the weirdest analogy in the world, but in the movie Alien, uh Ian Holmes character <laughs> Ian Holmes character, the robot, turns out to be the robot. He's like, you know, and they say to him once they discover he's a robot and he's trying to the crew is expendable and all that, he says, uh they say, I think you one of Sigourney Weaver says, I think you you actually you actually like this alien, and he says, I, I respect it. I respect its purity. <laughs> I wonder if this is almost like where Walt's coming from, mm -hmm. kind of sort of in this scene, like, you know what? This kid, he's a, he's, I don't know, if, you know, he's a weapon. If we keep this particular weapon pointed in the right direction, maybe this is useful, could be useful to us, you know. It remains to be seen, but. Todd takes initiative. He's a, yeah. he's a young he starts man out with the nanny cam. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Todd is a young man who takes initiative. He's, yeah. you know, he does indeed. Um, and he has such he has uh, a good connections, you know, like his uncle in prison <laughs> and stuff, yeah. which, he, which he conveniently draw. No, I mean, I mean, just he's like it's just so funny the way 
the way that that he drops that as as he's going out the door. He's like, you know, you should keep me. I love the way Jesse Plemons plays that yeah. bit. He's just, <laughs> you know, it could be important to it. I mean, so uh, uh, all right, I'll leave now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So I just want to. Uh, well, first, no, I don't want to jump too far ahead. But um, um, and then he's just. I will offer that. That what did you? How did you guys decide for him to like actually keep the spider? Well, we wanted there to be because we wanted him to be sincere and have a real, you know, logical argument in the scene. But we also wanted to seed the idea that the kid might not quite be totally right. Uh, We were trying to think of a way to sort of create a sense of sort of an ominous sense around him, you know, beyond him shooting a kid. But to sort of say that maybe Jesse isn't completely, you know, wrong about him And, and the tarantula. That was a very late thing. That teaser was a very late thing that we came up with. Yeah. And then the tarantula just seemed kind of like the perfect, because it's such a, it's a really small, subtle thing, but it's still a little bit creepy and weird. It is. Yeah. It's very creepy and weird. Jesse Plemons is a very thoughtful actor. He came up to me. I happened to be on the set of 505 during the four days we're doing all the train stuff. And he came up to me and said, so I've, I've seen the outline for the next episode. Or maybe at that point he had read it. And he said, so I, I, I keep the spider the tarantula why, why do i do that am i just a psycho i mean <laughs> and i said i know I, I don't think you're a it's a tough question to answer because sometimes we don't know exactly where we're going with with these characters but i i said i don't think it's so much a trophy keeping thing like you got your rocks off killing this kid i i tend to believe you when you say to walt and jesse and mike that you regret it you're sorry it had to happen but it had to happen it had to be done i, I think you're basically you know, well, who's to say you're not telling the truth? Maybe just dig spiders. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't let a good, perfectly good tarantula go to waste. I mean, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the Delicacies. idea. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who was, to him, he was just doing his job. And, you know, yeah, cool spider. Yeah, <laughs> the spider's well, going to die if he just leaves exactly. it there. Exactly. He's really just being. Thoughtful. Is it kind of like, is it possibly, was was he like, I don't know, it seems honorable to not like, okay, I'm going to raise your orphan spider. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take your orphan tarantula. Don't worry. Give it a good home. Don't, yeah. Good school, everything. God, those things were big. I was in Sedona a couple, uh, my girlfriend and I went there for a a couple weekends ago, and uh, we're driving 30 miles an hour along the road, and this is how big these things are. I have time to see this thing in the distance. (sighs) in front of me and slow down to a stop right in front of it and it's crawling it's crossing the road things as big as your hand i mean it's just it's just crawling along they're they're, no, they're, 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 they're they're interesting looking they're i've big. never seen one they are they are they are formidable looking we have a connection do we have a spider connection? we had to have a spider connection didn't we for that we had we did we had the spider handler on set it was a female tarantula Oh. Um, and we shot that scene. That was one of the very last things we shot for the entire episode, and we were racing ah. to shoot it before the sun came up. Because it was like like five in the morning. It was about five in the morning, wow. and and Jesse Plemons is such a trooper. Had been there all day and had been jumping into the dump truck and jumping out, and then got punched. I mean, we did all that stuff oh, in the wow. same day, and then he had to like smile at a tarantula, but subtly. Um, wow. But yeah, so the tarantula wrangler was there at five in the morning with us. You know, wow. he was very proud of the tarantula too. You could tell he like he really cares about, you know. They're kind of fearsome and yet kind of beautiful too. This yeah. one we saw in the wild in Sedona, it was just interesting. I, we were worried about it getting across the road, 
So we kind of. So you stopped and we stopped. It, like it, a crossing guard. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So I thought about it. Yeah, we had to get on a plane, but but yeah, we kind of. <laughs> But it got across the road. If you'd been running it. really late, you would have just, <laughs> just gone. But yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, nature is a cruel mistress. Uh, something. I, I want to jump ahead a little bit because I think we might lose Betsy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we got to talk about. Yeah, yeah we got to get me already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you lose but, uh, me a while ago. <laughs> we get this scene where, uh, where you know, Skylar's like uh, all upset, and she can't tell she can't tell her sister. And that's so bad because it's like the one thing that she feels like she could tell, you know, Marie, and she can't. And Marie is like very perplexed. You tell us about it. In fact, you're here. You tell. I us really about want. I wish she would have told me. <laughs> I wish she would tell me. Um, I love that scene. And Marie, like, she just. I just don't understand. I just. I just don't understand. It's yes, not. Yes, you, you can't understand. It's not adding up. It's you don't. You sense. don't. But you do. In a sense, it seems to me now that you know about the. About the uh, the relationship with Ted, right? Yeah, the very right. handsome Ted Benedict. The very handsome, right. yes. Mm-hmm. I right. love He's your really line. A handsome man. <laughs> Damn good looking. <laughs> Not so much now with his head in that uh, in that. Yeah. Uh, He's you know. really cute. I, I think Chris Ted, uh, Christopher Cousins is really. Well, cute. and Marie has an affair with him the the next eight episodes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> spoiler! <laughs> oh, have I said too much? Oh, oh no! Just a oh no! Nightingale type of relationship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it just it was a mercy. Thing. Oh, he can move enough, <laughs> and I am very flexible. Yeah, you could do it all you call it work, <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> um, I had so much fun shooting that scene yeah. with Anna, uh, and it's just—it was so well written, and it was just—it was you know back in the White House. I mean, back in no, the back Schrader in, House yeah. in the in the living room, the white wall living room. And you have this baby who's, I mean, that was, I asked Colin Can Luxie, I tell you that baby always steals the show? That <laughs> I asked the cutest Colin, baby. I said, uh, I said I'm about ready to like take, he said, take he my said, shirt off. He said there might have been twins there. <laughs> Colin said there might have been twins there, but that was only one of one baby. So There were multiple babies on standby, but uh, we ended up using the same baby. Yeah, Because uh, she was just very... Cheerful. We started <laughs> a shooting little a little late. Okay. We were, it was past all the babies' bedtimes, yeah. and the babies pretty much gave us the middle finger, and mm. we're like, uh-uh, no, <laughs> all these people staring at me, and I am already so tired. And then, so it took a while. I mean, there was a time when I'm not gonna lie, I was like, I don't know, this baby thing's gonna, what are we gonna do about this baby thing? I don't know how we're gonna handle the baby thing, but it, it ended up. You know, working out, but yeah, we use the same baby, the yeah, same tired she, baby. Uh, she seemed less tired than the others. Again, no children were actually no, no, harmed no. in this episode yeah. of Breaking Bad. Um, I think it was. Can I say the baby's name, or should I not do that? Sure, I, I don't. I know think the it, I think it was Madeline. But I love that line. Yeah, I love that line where you you say uh, to to Anna, you say uh, you know who I've I've, I've been tempted. I mean, I wouldn't do that. But I mean, not seriously. <laughs> not seriously. Because I'm not a horrible per- Oh, gosh. Gosh. I love the way you play that scene. It's it was really fun. Funny. And then the, the, the I love that um, we ended up using the last the last line that I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> I know. You know what? That's actually, I slipped that in there. I was, like, so happy to be able to slip that in there. Thank you. Because it's on the other side. Was that, was, that a, was that an ad lib? That was an ad lib because originally oh, it's just don't, it. don't you feel better now getting that off your chest? Oh, yeah, I love oh. it. It was so much better, don't I you? I feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and then Anna goes, 
That's Marie. Let's, let's, let's talk about this bullshit about you not being in the first two episodes this season. What is that about? I talked to my boss. <laughs> that, I'll give that, you his number. You for call. anyone listening who is wondering what the hell, why uh, the, 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 the gorgeous Betsy Brandt was not in the first two episodes of, of season five here, I, that was... Uh, just because she displeased us. No, <laughs> it's because that was just, it's just sometimes it's the way it works out story wise, but we were very upset. Uh, I will speak for myself. We were upset. We and then I apologized, and then I was in episode three. Yes. I apologized and I meant it, and you put me back in three. Um, it felt weird to not be at all the kickoff stuff, you know? I know, and we and we we tried like hell in the writer's room to make it work out, but the, the, the issue partly was that we were never going to go to the Schrader house. We couldn't figure out a way to go to the Schrader house, and there seemed to be this the 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 the, the post the, not post mortem the the uh, the, po- uh, the the it, after the whole thing with uh, the the um, you know uh, Junior makes some reference to it in that first episode. You know, Aunt, Aunt Marie still thinks you know she's still ner- a little nervous about Hank leaving the yeah. house and all that. But it was all that post uh, Fring stuff was yeah yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say. Oh, you're so wanted, sweet. I Welcome wanted to back. bring it up. Welcome back. Can I just and, be on uh, Breaking Bad forever? Or only <laughs> can I only do Vince Gilligan shows for the, the rest of my career? Well, once the show ends, we're still going to do a weekly podcast for the next thirty years. <laughs> we'll just talk about our weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and the price of gas. Yes. <laughs> oh no! And you're leaving. Yeah. Oh, oh no! Fuck, I have to go. Oh, no, fuck! Oh, I can't open this fucking door. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, you were no. so sweet to come. Oh, yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, Betsy. Thank you, Betsy. You're, oh, you're so man, sweet. Oh I'm so bummed. I didn't realize. Yeah, I have to go. Um, I'm doing Hollywood Uncensored, and I'm going to talk Ooh. about Breaking Bad. Spoilers. Can, can you say the F words on Hollywood Uncensored? Um, yeah, you must have. I think they can that. dip it. I think they can. It's well, it's on reels at midnight. I think we can say whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Now wait, wait a minute. Uh, seriously, uh, when, when's this going to be on so that the folks listening, or I, will it already be? Uh, have been no, on? no. I think it's on this weekend. It's Saturday night or Sunday night. I think it's on at midnight. But he gets a panel of um, actors or comedians together and just talks about. He has questions. Uh, this is Sam Rubin that he poses to everybody about things that are going on currently, like right gossipy on. stuff or just stuff in the business, you know, and um, we're going to be talking about the Emmys. Right Jason on. Ritter, myself, I, and I don't know who else was confirmed for sure. Oh, cool. Um, oh, I'm sure I will be threatening anyone else who's in our category. <laughs> 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 like, you know, if you win that Emmy, I'm going to beat you with it. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you, you folks are hearing this, it probably will have already aired, but maybe you can find it on the, the internet or something. Definitely so it's, what's, the, what's the show called? It's def- uh, Hollywood Uncensored. Hollywood Uncensored. I'm and you, you can it. definitely get it on the on the internet. It's fun. It's just like a little, you know, talk show of your peers with right Sam on. Rubin. Right. Bye, Betsy. Bye, Betsy. Bye, Betsy. Guys, thanks for having me. So All right, drive safe. <laughs> oh, my God. She's so, She's sweet. so funny. Yeah. I'm so bummed she had to leave. I know, me too. Um, it's all downhill from here. Now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk more about music. And seriously, I want to hear, and, and seriously, I want to hear, I know what it is to sit in a room and, and I, I imagine there's some uh, crossover between what it is to sit in a room and write a script and what it is to sit in a room. And I would imagine there's some, what is it like? What do you, are you, are you working on a legal pad? Are you working on a computer? Or are you sitting at in front of a keyboard? How do you go about composing the, music like in the teaser of this episode um it is like that it is 
was very lonely. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I as heard it was when you guys were writing a script, I'm sure it's uh, you in a, in a in a dark room, and and in my case, yeah, it's a uh, it's a computer and a, a, both a computer keyboard and a functioning keyboard, black and white keyboard that you would okay. play, like a piano keyboard, which interfaces with all the computers and helps me uh, improvise, which honestly is uh, the basis for, I, mean, I can't speak for other composers, but uh, for me, um, you know, I have a body of knowledge about music and playing music for having done it for many, many years, uh, but I, I am, it's a, it's a process of improv and it's a process of throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. Oh, okay. And uh, I will, I'm fortunate to get to work with the, the picture which has already been edited and done, right. and so I watch it repeatedly. Gotcha. Many, many, many times over. Uh, and the first step of the process, usually for me, is thinking about tempo. Uh, so sometimes for an hour, I'll sit there and watch the scene with just a metronome against it. Okay. Click, 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 just to see where, which tempo kind of fits the general tenor and the way it was been, the picture has been edited ah. so that I can be most effective with the music. Interesting. And hit all the moments musically where you want to hit and make statements musically. It's much easier when they're on the beats that you want to, that you're following. And sometimes pieces change tempo several times over the course of a minute or two. Other times it's just the set one tempo all the way through. Huh. And then, yeah, it's, it's really just a process of trial and error, throwing a lot of things up. And usually there's just, I'm sure it's the same for you guys, there's that one germ of something that works. And then once you have a foundation of something that feels like a good idea, then you're, you're sort of like stacking ideas on top of it as you move along. And it kind of builds like in layers from there. This is this is very interesting, and you don't. I, I, um, you, th we are sort of long past the era of of a composer working with a, in in television certainly working with a with an orchestra. You you all those instruments we're hearing. You you play all of them. Well, I, yes and no. Okay. Um, I I do. Uh, and first, let me just say that that we aesthetically we chose long ago not to pursue doing a traditional orchestral score for this show because gotcha. it just didn't seem like the right fit for, right. for what we wanted to do musically for the show there are there are, there are some out there that still, still I, I don't do mean that. it's a bad thing no it's, no no I know it, absolutely it's, and it's I, pretty rare also financially speaking well yes and there, there's a lot of complications in terms of using live performers um, uh, in television and the greatest of which is actually time hmm. because with a week generally to compose, record, mix an episode, um, adding, a, adding a recording session with a lot of players and writing out all the parts for all those players and, and scheduling and all that stuff, mixing all that stuff, it just takes a lot of time yeah. and, of course, a lot of money. Yeah. So really only the very largest of um, TV shows now still use live yeah. orchestras where they have a lot of time, and it's pretty rare. It's yeah. not to say well, I don't use live players. I do, but they tend to be soloists, gotcha. and they tend to be um, people who are uh, have a, a, a role to play that either I can't personally perform uh, or is very in the spotlight, okay. and I want to make sure that it, it, it is, because it's always better and more human than, than computers going to do. Um, but... Having said that, too, I use a lot of things uh, in my score that are um, that were originally live players playing instruments that I have pre-recorded in the off-season or other times. Um, for example, percussion parts and things like that that I just have 
ready ah. to go. Um, and th- these are things that, that, that I just have built up and ready because I know I'm not going to have time. Um, and, but I know these are elements that now, especially now where we are season five, I know what our show sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And I know the kinds of things that work great for our show. Um, and uh, so I can have a lot of those things at the ready. Um, so uh, the, the music for our show is a combination of things that I play myself as, uh, as well as synthesizers and computers okay. and things that other people play that I then process usually or, or change up and mangle into, into ways that kind of fit the aesthetic that I've created with my own stuff. That's very altogether. interesting. Talk about the human voices in the, in the end of that music, uh, that, that cue at the, uh, the teaser cue of this. Yeah, episode. there is a, um, at, when you see the hand that we were talking about before of the, of the kid, um, in the dump truck there, I, I didn't want to be overt about it, but I, I did, um, use a, a recording of a, of a, um, a boy's choir, a boy's soloist, actually a solo boy child singing a very high note mm-hmm. um but I, then i stretched it this is very technical and boring but i, I stretched it uh, using a, 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 a granular synthesizer it's called it a granular synthesizer it basically analyzes the sound of the recording and stretches it out and wow. uh, highlights certain artifacts in the original recording and others and and makes it uh i don't know how to explain it except to say that it feels a little un- otherworldly, yeah, yeah, which is what I loved about it. Interesting. Um, and, and if you look some very carefully, you can hear that in that piece. You told me about it, and I listened for it. And I'll be honest, I still I'm not quite sure I heard it. But but that's what's intriguing about it. Knowing, I love knowing that. You know, like you said, it would have been hitting it too hard, making it too clearly uh, a, bo- a little boy singing. Would've, right. Would have would have felt it would have felt too much it would have felt yeah we've been on the nose uh, and telling people how to feel and and we we try very hard not to do that on on breaking bad and 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 i think but having it in there in a subtle way that maybe people react to without realizing they're reacting to it is the goal that's that's why i love talking to you about this stuff uh certainly here and now but when 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 you present us when you present for instance uh, uh jenny and i with your music for this particular episode, we'll use that as an example. I wish I had. Uh, this is on me to educate myself. As of yet, I have not had the time. But I, I love music. But I, I love it from a very much a layperson's. I, I can't play any instrument. I can't sing. I can't do anything like that. But I, and I do. I don't have the vocabulary. But what I love about the way we work is that that we'll say to you, Jenny, and I'll say, uh, for instance, in this case, we'll say. Uh, like uh, an, an, uh, an early iteration of the uh, of the, um, and there weren't that many because you hit it so damn fast and beautifully. Uh, there's not, there's very seldom more than one or more than two iterations of, of any given cue. But we'll say in the case of this, it it sounds a little foreboding. Maybe uh, can we mm-hmm. can we find a way to have more? So we always talk in terms of emotion. Is what I'm trying to trying to get to say here yeah. is that uh, you know I love not talking. Because I, I don't have the vocabulary to talk, you know, it needs to be this or that. Instead, we talk emotion. Is it is this emotionally where we want to be? That's interesting how we do that. It is, and I think that, you know, that's, I have always considered that part of my job. I think this is to be able, it's, it's my job to be, to hopefully be able to convey what you guys want to hear. Um, but it's my job, one hopes, to have the, the resources and the, the musical knowledge to get there without you shouldn't have to explain that part to me but but to know from you sure. guys you know 
what it is we're after yeah, in the, yeah, in the yeah. end game is, yeah. is and then translated it's, it's it's, job. because it's interesting how you because I think to myself sometimes I'll give a note uh, either to you personally or through Diane Mercer our mm-hmm. wonderful uh, post-production producer and I'll say we'll listen to a, a, a cue and I'll say God it's great it's really good but I wish it were it sounds a little sounds a little too I want a sort of a more wistful feel. You know, I'll say mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. wistful. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking to myself, even even as the words are falling out of my mouth, I'll think to myself, this is like, I'd hate to be on the other end of this email or whatever. This, <laughs> the, how, the, how the hell am I supposed to make music more wistful? <laughs> and yet you manage to pull it off. You there, know, it's, there it's are a, ways. I, yeah. And, of course, part of that is, um, the, you know, the wonderful ability to have been doing this for five or six years together now yeah that's you know, true that helps a lot there's a shorthand that of develops course. but so you have so many tools it feels to me at your disposal obviously you know how to use them all but there's there's tempo there's volume there is what particular instrument you're using mm-hmm. there's obviously the way all the instruments fit together I, this is again you can tell by listening i don't know what the hell i'm talking about musically speaking but it just seems like there are so many of these elements there's an endless way to combine them all i would think and and yet know. only 13 notes is that true? Well, only 13 notes in the scale. See, I've got to yeah. educate myself. <laughs> but then, so what is it? So there's 13 notes, but then they go up again? <laughs> yeah, they, no, no. They go up, up in octaves, of course, and there, there's more than that, but but only 13 wow. letters worth of notes. On oh, yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah. i, I got to take a music Vince class. Vince is going to take a music class right now on this podcast. I was, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, my mom's listening. It's like that's the one thing I wish my mom had made me do was take uh, piano lessons or some some damn thing. Well, can, my my we father's very. Um, yeah, well, I, my father's very musical, um, very musical, right. and my mother is is not. And I inherited my mom's side, and so it's funny. Even growing up in a very musical household, I, I I'm not musical at all. So you know, even you yeah. know, you never know. Should point out that Kelly Dixon is very musical, and that's not uncommon for picture editors. I have found actually, picture editors are very often musical, and I think there there is an innate connection um, between cutting picture and tempo, and an understanding just of pacing, and and things that lie at the similar core of of making music to to putting together picture. We can get you some lessons. No, you know, it's interesting. I said in an interview at one point, this is, I was, someone is asking about editing, and I've said, first of all, I'm lucky to have the two best editors in the business, you know, Kelly and Skip. And, but I said, this is the close, as close, because I, I, I love to write. I mean, I, or more accurate to say, I love having written. Uh, it is, it is a very satisfying career. It is not fun, but it is very satisfying. And to that end, I wish, I had the ability to write music, compose music. I would not be a performer. I wouldn't, there'd be, you know, but I wish I could write it and have someone else, hear someone else perform it, which is akin to what I do now. I write the words and then I have someone wonderful say them, like Brian Cranston or mm-hmm. Betsy Brandt or Anna Gunn or whatnot. And, uh, but I had someone in some interview saying, you know, about the editing. And I said, I think, I feel like this is the closest I'm ever personally going to get to composing music is to be able to sit in the editing room on a show like Breaking Bad and and of course I'm working with the best you know Kelly and Skip but uh, say you know could this be a little shorter could this shot be eight frames longer could that shot be 12 well, frames could. shorter yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I'm always going to get pushed back when I'm in Kelly's room Skip meanwhile is a pleasure to work with <laughs> but then it's like you know that that feels like the one 
thing I could contribute is I feel like the, that sense of rhythm is is obviously it's funny what you're just saying it's you know I would imagine there is that on the Venn diagram as it were that's the crossover between picture editing and mm-hmm. and uh, and musical composition mm-hmm. so so uh, should we should we talk about that uh, that fake hand. arm now well I actually wanted to go back there's a couple of scenes before that, that all right I, to, I mean okay but first of all the next, I mean one of the scenes that you've got early on is you know, you've got this scene where they're cooking in the house and there's a news flash that comes on TV that yeah. shows the dead boy is still being looked for. And, of course, this ha- hits Jesse very hard. So, Jenny, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, the fact that, you know, Jesse is, you know, he's hit very hard and Walt's kind of scrambling to make Jesse understand. Yeah, I mean, I feel that, uh, I mean, first of all, Aaron... Paul did such a wonderful job in that scene. Wonderful he job. just really great. But you know, part of it is is not just that they killed that this kid has been killed, it's that this kid will never be found. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so and he says, I just keep thinking about the kid's parents and, and I think that really, really affects him. And you know, this is the episode where Jesse quits the business. This is the last this was the last straw for him. He's kind of been flirting with quitting for a long time he just kind of keeps going because that's really all he has now you know he doesn't even have his girlfriend anymore he just all he does is cook you know he doesn't really do anything else but this was sort of the last straw this is he can't justify continuing on this course um and that like he even needs the money he just didn't care about the money he doesn't care about the money which we learned uh, last season when that kit guy stole it and he didn't even notice um or he did but didn't care uh yeah so and and we really wanted to have that scene where we just see we like the idea of in the middle of a cook where he's just still kind of you know on autopilot but where he just can't take it anymore and then walt who i think does walt does feel bad about the kid being killed but walt also you know he says once we cook through this methylamine there'll be plenty of time for soul searching you know for walt nothing stops the train and he's going to keep going so it's kind of an interesting scene because walt i think is being sincere but he is also trying to manipulate jesse as he usually does but he also cares about the kid. It, it's a really conflicting scene, and then of course he starts whistling, yeah. which is a huge for Jesse. That's a big moment of maybe Walt is not as upset as I am, and yeah. what does this mean? Actions are louder than words. Even subtle actions such as whistling while one works. So basically, in the next thing, Mike has obviously presented him with an, an opportunity to get out, and Walt shows up with the uh, I guess a, a badge. And that he put in that they put in the safe that he puts in the safe. Yeah, that's the end of that work day. Jesse has left early, and he gets the call from Mike. Mike and Jesse's storylines kind of converge here, where they're both looking for a way to get out for for different reasons, but also overlapping reasons. Oh yeah, because Mike has has heard. I forgot about that. That Mike has actually heard what Hank and and Gomez are talking about in Hank's office, where they left the bug last episode. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Mike is really under a lot of pressure um, to get out because he. You know, Hank says it's only a matter of time before he messes up, and though Mike is really good at what he does, he himself, you know, he can't be perfect, so there's going to be a time. And then with this kid, it's like, I mean, if you need a bigger sign to get out of the business, you know, yeah. this this is it. So uh, so Jesse has gone to talk to Mike, and it's the end of that day, and Walt is coming with the batch that they cooked at that house, and yeah. he comes in on them and, and kind of surprises them, um, and so they tell him a little bit earlier than they normally would have, but... yeah. And and Walt is pissed off. <laughs> like he is not happy. I think he's hurt. He feels betrayed. But he's he feels... also like 
you know, he is angry, but I think it's 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 more profound than that, more fundamental. I think he's hurt, he's wounded. It seems to me, yes, and angry, certainly angry, yeah, but not just angry. You're going to sell to my customers. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. But he's also, you know, as he says to Jesse in the subsequent scene when Jesse comes over to the house, you know, he's in the empire business. He's trying to build something, and he thought that they, especially Jesse. I mean, he and Mike have always had tension, but he really felt that they were on his team and and helping him to build this great thing and to just abandon it doesn't make any sense to yeah. him. Yeah. And he it takes it very personally. Yeah. He yeah, gets we, along. Get to, we get to learn a little bit about gray matter, too. A little bit more yeah, about gray matter. Yeah, we do indeed. He in took a $5,000 buyout from a company that is now what became a company that is now worth two point blah blah billion with a B dollars. Billion dollars. <laughs> that, would, that would sting. <laughs> <laughs> that would hurt. That would hurt. That would hurt. <laughs> that would hurt. Somewhere in Silicon Valley there is... Some guy with that story. Oh, I guarantee you. I oh, think a yeah. lot of people probably relate to that story of like, I should have stuck with something, but I just, it was too hard or, you mm-hmm. know, and, and regret. I mean, that's the thing about Walter White is he's doing these extraordinary things that most people wouldn't do, but they're coming from a place that a lot of people have felt. Hmm. Yeah. You know. He's I think is a deeply wounded, if we didn't know this before, this is a deeply wounded man. This is a man with just fundamental self-esteem issues and 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 obviously he's gone way overboard overcompensated uh way 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 out there in the wrong direction to be thinking that being a, a meth kingpin is is preferable to being a, a law-abiding you know citizen and a good provider for his family and an educator of children and you know it's, it's he's He's gone to a very dark place here, and I think maybe we get more of a glimpse as to why he is the way he is. Although I don't think I, I would I would hasten to add I don't think this is necessarily a com- complete glimpse, but this is uh, you know we're just shining that little uh, pencil beam of the flashlight into yet another corner of this guy's uh, noggin here. He's, you know, there's there's still yeah. a lot of dark area here there's to a be lot explored. There. It's not one thing. It's it's, it's many not one thing. Terrible thing. Well, that's the thing in, in in fiction, isn't it? There's you know we always try to boil it. Writers have a tendency to want to boil it down to the what, what's the one thing that made you know uh, name name your favorite fictional character. What's the one thing that made this character who he is or who she is? And then you you illuminate that moment. But that's of course in real life that's not the way we're we work. There's very seldom one precipitating moment any of us can point to uh, in real life, either to ourselves or some other person, as to why we are the way we are, why they are the way they are. It's just something you boil down in fiction, but it's it doesn't ring true when you think of real life. So, I don't know. And then they get interrupted by Skyler. Yeah. Yeah. That is like that is the most fun scene. I've been waiting. I've been I hopefully the audience listening oh, and what has, so been, has been waiting. Oh, but ex- beautifully excruciating. They did a great job writing that scene. They did a great job playing and and oh, Colin yeah. Colin directed the crap out of it. But you know, it's like when she walks in, it's funny because Walt kind of seems like he gives a little chuckle like a Oh, he's such a monster there, isn't he? Yeah. He's gonna punish both of them in one fell swoop. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not kill two birds with one stone. I'm gonna punish two birds with one dinner. You know, because he in that moment it's just like, boy, they're so excruciatingly uncomfortable. Oh, this is delicious. You know, he's such a. And this is the first time Skyler has been uh, together with Jesse since season. 
season one. Season one. Season one. one. Episode two. Yeah, stop selling marijuana yeah, to my right. husband. Episode yeah. two? I think, yeah. it was, wow. I think it was, yeah. Oh, my God. It was when he's dragging the body up into the... You're yes, right, of course. Yeah, the body so, of Emilio, yeah, right before in, he melts him in the bathtub. Exactly. Because yeah, he's worried about hiding it. So it's been it's that been long. It's been that long. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this scene has been on the board. We keep you know, ideas for things we want to do on note cards. And we have a board that we put them up on in the writer's room. And this has been up for a while. For like years. And right? I was really yeah. excited that I won the lottery yeah. and got to write this scene. So <laughs> It's so funny because I remember Anna Gunn talking after that episode, that initial episode, saying, wow, I feel like she was saying, wow, it's been, you know, been wanting for a while now, wanting to do a scene with, with Aaron. Like a while now. It's like one episode, <laughs> one and a half episodes. Yeah. Know? And it's been that long. It's been, uh, that was, we're now episode, let's see, 504 was our 50th episode. What is this, 506? 52. 52. That was 51 episodes, 51 <laughs> hours of story ago yeah. that they last met. <laughs> on the same screen. Yeah. yeah. And they are so good in this scene. I love the way she clanks the, little touches like the way she clanks the, uh, like stuff like that. You were there in the set with Colin. Uh, and and like uh, who, whose idea was it really slam the uh, the wine bottle against the? Uh... I think that was Anna. I think that was definitely <laughs> Anna. Anna Anna was so excited for this scene, and and yeah, she was just like she was also when she was drinking the wine. We picked we wanted to have a giant like red wine glass, yeah. but she was drinking white wine. Yeah. We just wanted the biggest glass we could possibly get. But um, we didn't really, I, I mean, Colin may have talked to her about it, but she was the one who was, like, just nursing that thing through the whole scene. Wasn't even trying to eat her food at all, just yeah. drinking the whole time. I wonder what that was. It was a diluted white grape juice. Oh, okay. And she drank so much of it <laughs> that she was feeling really ill by the end. And Aaron... Also not in the script, and Aaron's choice, uh, he was just shoveling those green beans into his mouth <laughs> in the first take. So every take, he had to do that. And we did a lot of takes of this scene. This was a scene that we shot for a while. Yeah. And he was like, I'm never eating green beans again. And <laughs> I always have him almonds. eating with, the, my, slivered with the slivered almonds. Yeah, yeah. So. I love how you wrote that. That was good. <laughs> These are choice. choice. He, yeah. I love He's the way like he said that line, too. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a he is so damn funny yeah, and like the, what about the lasagna where you you get it and it's like eating a scab oh yeah that was a that was a vince gilligan contribution <laughs> that uh that line that was uh, pretty funny yeah. <laughs> no. yeah no that was pretty funny <laughs> oh, my favorite too in that well not my very favorite but i mean i absolutely love when when he's like he finishes like one little you know say you know whatever he says and he goes yeah, it's bad. Oh, when he's talking about all the frozen food and there's a long silence. Perfect timing. Yeah. Perfect. Like, all yeah, three of those bad. actors. Like perfect comic timing. It's like wide shot where, yeah, yeah. you know, these look at the two yeah. of them and it's like, yeah, this is bad. Well, we he's looking to Walt for help and Walt's yeah. giving him nothing, nothing and he's trying to be the best guest. Like, like Eddie Haskell. Yeah, he's, he's trying so to be really, polite. he's drinking water because he didn't want to like trouble anybody yes. or anything yeah. more than water. Although we did discuss the possibility of him drinking milk, but we thought it would be too much. You know what? Yeah. That's uh, you. You know what? And the devil's in the details, isn't it? Milk would have been too much. Yeah, yeah there was a big right. discussion about it, and I was like, that would, yeah. So yeah. water. I was like, water just, was perfect because yeah. also I felt like what you just said, but also the way I read it was, he doesn't want to give her any reason to think he's not a sober and mm. trustworthy exactly. young man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, there's one one take too that I really tried to use, but I couldn't find a way in the way that it was um, because he only did it once. But there's a part where he says, like, 
he says, uh, uh, Oh, are you uh, talking about the thing where he's like, well you've oiled. got, you've got, he said, you have the business running like a machine, yeah. like well oiled. Yeah. He says, well oiled and shit. And then he, he like, oh. jumps and, and, <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he doesn't want to say shit in front of, That's you funny. know, his former teacher's wife, That's I guess. Right. It was really funny, but I could not find a way to use it. It was quite funny though. I but the think. line, the, the closest we've come to playing this for an audience was, uh, when we, uh, the other week when we when we attended the mix and 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 our, our wonderful uh, sound crew uh you know there's eight or nine or ten or twelve people in a room uh depending on how many are there visiting and whatnot and the the line the, the moment that got the biggest laugh every time we went through that moment in the mix was uh was uh i mean it all got a laugh people are just but but it's the relief of when it's over i think is why everyone laughed was it uh he says, uh, <laughs> you know, my children are gone. And Jesse, j- pitch perfect timing. Aaron Paul goes, thank God. Just the timing. The timing is so damn perfect. It's that just was funny, so much though. fun. It's just funny, though, too, because, you know, Walt, his original, you know, intent for all of this was to keep the family together. And the family's just gone. I mean, everything that he's tried for is just is gone. You know. And, and now Walt's Jesse's part. leaving, and he says, and now you're yeah. you're taking this away from me. But you can't. Do you feel sorry for Walt in that moment? You know, I got to say, I, I still want Walt to win. <laughs> That's just me. It's my opinion. I still want Walt to win. I am not a Skylar hater. I think that I, I, I believe every bit of what, you know, she is about and of what she's playing, and I understand her frustration, and I don't want Jesse to be hurt. This is just my opinion. No, no, that's your opinion. I don't want Jesse anybody's. to be hurt anymore, but yeah. I, I still want Walt to win. I still want him to either redeem himself or yeah. something. You know, that's you want me. the happy ending for all, basically. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. I know, spoiler. <laughs> but I it's, do. You know, it's hard because, you yeah. know, what you've done, I think personally what you've done here is you, Vince, in creating this character and going along this path, you've done something that, you know, I, I think a lot of other people are very envious about and you've done something that, you know, people haven't seen before and you're, you're taking, and that to me is the drama in it. That's why all these, you know, some of the good dramas have su- succeeded like The Sopranos is that they take a character where you should not like what they're doing and yet you do feel sympathy for them and then they can do even more awful things and yet you still want to win and you know i know i have not lost you know uh i have not lost sight of, of which is fine and i wouldn't i wouldn't war. argue with the way anyone perceives this show although i've talked to people recently who say they are now actively rooting against Walt which means that they at I least would, they're rooting That's well the thing. yeah yeah which which i don't i don't and i don't I think it's fascinating because to me a big part of this from the get-go is it's experimental television in a sense and so we're trying to do something different and the experiment is at what point do you shake everybody loose you know sympathy wise and you obviously don't want to shake them loose to the point that they turn off the tv right. but uh it's interesting it's yeah i i, I i'm always interested because there is truly no i'm not just saying this there's no right answer say, don't, wouldn't you say that all any reaction is a valid reaction yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. i don't we are the liberating thing for me i'll speak for myself but you know the writers you guys probably i don't know if you guys feel the same way but the liberating thing is if we present these characters as realistically as possible if if in other words they seem if not relatable, if they at least seem comprehensible, if they seem, mm-hmm. if they never, if we can do our best so that they never make a false move as far as 
behavior or decision-making based on our understanding of who they are, be it good or bad. If we can keep them behaving like, 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 like relatable or, or you know, comprehensible human beings and then let the chips fall where they may, and the audience says, I like this one, uh, I don't like this one, you know. I, you know, I have reasons for rooting for Walt still. I have re- reasons for rooting against Skyler. Mm-hmm. To me personally, that one is trickier than um, it's easier to root against Walt and for Skyler at this point personally. But there is no wrong answer. I love just as long as people are watching. Yeah, and, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it's but, almost like you have to have them actively love love Walt or actively hate. If they, if they don't care one way or the other, then they're going to turn it off. If you can't move the needle, if people are just yeah. like, eh, then, mm-hmm. then, then, yeah, that's truly. Yeah. Well, of course, at that point, I don't know why. And it would be watching. I think you anyway. failed it when people aren't actively rooting for something. Yeah, you know, and even if they're not rooting, if they're just—I mean, yes, yeah, I'll be honest. You want people. You want people. Well, if rooting, if another way of putting rooting means you want them emotionally engaged, yes. absolutely. Yes. Versus watching with a more passive, intellectual interest as far as you know what happens next. Whatever, we'll take any viewer we can get. You know, <laughs> I guess. I just like what you had to say earlier about the fact that he's. He's, you know, there's so many layers to him, and you know, it's you can't just think of him in one sense. It, you know, it it just reminds me of how smart he is. It's one of the reasons that I want him to still succeed. I mean, he's incredibly smart, and he he's, he's a survivor. Yeah, he is, yeah. and he's shown us in so many different ways how he can still think to get out of situation. How he put you know, the idea of the train heist together, yeah. you know, and also what he's, you know, going to do, what we're going to talk about next. Although Jesse, Jesse gets his share of the credit, and now I think he feels blame for that train heist. But, but well, yeah, yeah, I know what you I, mean. I yeah. understand. But, you know, Walt, Walt started out as your main character. We know that he, you know, you, you've shown, you told us a little bit more about, about Gray Matter, which we may have actually forgotten about. We really haven't heard mention of Gray Matter in so long. And now to know that basically Walt was a contributor to this multi-billion dollar corporation, you know, he's very, very smart, you know, and he shows how smart he is, you know, it just makes me still want to see him succeed because I know that he didn't have, you know, a black heart when he started this, you know. I don't know though. I mean, Mm -hmm. this the old saying about maybe you know what's the old saying about Hollywood. which I think is one of my favorite statements. Success in Hollywood doesn't so much change people as reveal who they really are. I mean, you can you can you can subscribe to that or not, but the more the long I've been doing this twenty some years now in Hollywood, so to speak, uh, and the more I've been doing it, the longer I've been doing it, the more I think that's probably true. I don't think you know. You know, it reveals your flaws, you know, uh, success or, or the race, the race, the scramble for success uh, kind of can reveal, magnify your flaws, as it were. And I wonder if Walter White, you know, using that analogy, I wonder if Walter White is a guy who, uh, uh, you know, was sleepwalking through life but had these these various darknesses within him. And luckily for everyone around him, they weren't revealed for 50 years, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's a terrible thing when he got this cancer diagnosis, but maybe the worst form of terrible that, that arose from that diagnosis is, is the fact that it awakened him and allowed him to start really being who he truly is. And you know what? Again, though, if anyone wanted to dispute that, I'd say right on, because I don't think there is any particular right answer to this. I like that people take take the show, you know, 
perceive it as they choose. You know, I don't know that there's any right answer. Anyway, we should talk about that fake arm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to People are going to be really excited well, about the fake arm now. Well, first, off, first, though, we should say that, that uh, you know, Mike has figured out a way to get he and Jesse out of the business. Right. And so they go out to the desert. I'm assuming probably the the uh, the state line between Arizona because the guys are coming from Phoenix, right? So we never nailed it down. We never down. nailed it down. It's, it's, it's the desert prairie. Okay. It's where we but have m- many of our meetings. Somewhere yeah. between the two states. Yeah. 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 Somewhere in the desert between the two states of uh, Arizona that would be and fair. New Mexico. Yeah. Everybody drives in equal yeah. distance. Yeah. And, um, and so they meet with... Uh, this guy who basically Declan yeah talk about Declan I love this guy I love the actor I never met him but I love the actor Louis Ferreira who is um a great actor and you've seen him in tons of stuff and the Um, voice of Mazda you see yeah he's in he does the voiceover in these Mazda ads because he has a very distinctive voice and I was on set and I met him and I was watching tv and I heard it and I was like that sounds like Louis Ferreira and I looked it up and sure enough he's um, got a great voice he does and it was extra gravelly that day because he had not. He had just flown to New Mexico, and Albuquerque is. It's like a mile up in elevation, and it's very dry. So first, you get you get the altitude sickness, and all the moisture is like sucked out of your body. So he was not feeling great that day. He uh. was definitely kind of dealing with that, and it added a little extra grit to his voice, which was. He's got a great voice. Got a great yeah, voice. yeah, and he's very nice, and he was great in that scene. He's from Vancouver. He's a yeah Canadian. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought you said he was Portuguese. I, I read he is somewhere. Portuguese, he's Portuguese, but he's from Canada. Uh, so. And yet he's playing an Irish guy named Declan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the only guy with hair in the scene. I know. So it was nice to have a new character who was not a bald man. I know. So. I keep saying this show's turning into THX 1138. <laughs> like, now the women need to all be bald, yeah. too. Yeah. But, uh, no, he did a great job, and... Uh, he, uh, his, uh, his partner in that scene, his silent partner, a guy named uh, Morse Bicknell, who's, uh, who we, uh, who's uh, work we enjoy. We finally got him on the show. Yeah, and, local uh, Albuquerque Local actor. Albuquerque actor. And uh, I, I love that scene. That's a beautifully shot scene, the four guys standing yeah. out there doing their business and or talking through their, you know, the deal, the potential deal. Beautifully shot. I love the... I love that uh, setting. That uh, that whole back lot, as we call it, we jokingly call it our back lot, but it's within essentially walking distance of Q Studios where we do our all our stage work. And someday it's all going to look like Valencia, California. Yeah, you know? it's build. They're building up. They're building a lot of houses. As we speak, they're, yeah, they're building all these tract homes, and it's a kind of a shame because it's the natural beauty will all be gone. But then you think about. Uh, you know, How Green Was My Valley, you know, the Welsh coal mining movie, the John Ford movie in the 40s, and that was shot probably right around here in Burbank or, you know, <laughs> where we are. And, and now it's just nothing but tract homes, and that was yeah. like Wales in 1940, all these rolling hills and mm-hmm. all this uh, all this great Hollywood history that was shot around here before there were just, you know. Before how, we lived how, here. Yeah, before, <laughs> before we lived yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that was jumping back, and that's when, I guess, jumping that was jumping back before Walt and Jesse had their scene in the dinner, obviously. Um, so now Walt obviously feels like he has to go and steal the methylamine. Right. Because they're threatening to sell his methylamine. Jesse has told him they, they want to sell his also. Or the guy won't, Declan will not buy only the two-thirds. He'll only buy the whole amount. Um, so Walt goes to steal the methylamine, and of course Mike is... They're cutting him off at the pass. You know, yeah. I knew, knew you were going to try something stupid. Is that what he says? Yeah. <laughs> so Mike, uh, 
Mike uh, ties him up or handcuffs him to the chair. Right? Zip, zip, zip ties. Zip ties. Well, well, before <laughs> the he, just, he just sits there. He just sits there and and they wait yeah. until yeah. the yeah. next morning. Now, wh- where did the line come from? You know, we're gonna stay here all night, like it's my birthday. That's a great line I you wrote. wrote. That. Yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> that's a great line Jenny wrote. Thank you. That line makes me laugh every time I hear it. Mike, Mike is a, everybody is really fun to write for, but Mike is also really fun to write for because you know, especially for me as a you know as a 30-something-year-old woman to write for a, you know, 50- to 60-something-year-old man is, is a challenge, but he's so, like, deadpan and just... He's really funny, and so he's I was like, funny. I threw that line in there. That's a great line. That one, and also your peach of a brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. It makes me laugh every You get time. to say things you wouldn't normally say in your real life when yeah. you write shows. Like, like 23 this, so. Skidoo. 23 Skidoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just that kind that of animal. cynical, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, that very cynical, deadpan yeah. style. Not really my style, so it's fun to be able to yeah. write that. Hard-boiled. Hard-boiled. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a noir guy. I love I love that scene. I love... Uh, so, yeah, he, he ties him basically to... Because he needs to go. He needs to... Ha- he has a meeting. He zip cuffs so him. zip ties And him. one of my favorite... Uh, one of my favorite moments is that... And I love... And he, it's, again, pitch perfect. Our actors are always so pitch perfect. The wonderful moment. He's a tough guy, and he's not going to brook any argument. And yet, once Walt is zip cuffed to the radiator... He kind of grumbles, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, almost sort of that. sheepishly, and he, yeah. I love the way he says that line. Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> I think okay. it speaks volume. That one oh, yeah. word speaks volumes about this guy. This, yeah. I mean the character. So the character of the character. There. Can you guys um, go over with me, like how you, you know, kind of uh, uh, broke this part of the story out in the writers' room about how. This was gonna, you know, how this was gonna all happen. Well, we we always it's a group effort. I don't remember, you know, it all. It just, you know, what's the coolest way for Walt to get free here? I think was the question, and I think we were thinking in terms of uh, the uh, the we we know Walt is familiar with uh, a spark gap. Uh, in other words, you, you you have the two ends of a stripped uh, piece of uh, wire, and uh, you know. Uh, electrical cord there with a with a you know plug on one end and and he, he if you'll recall at the end of episode 413 uh the end of last season uh, a similar looking uh spark gap is what set off the fire that ravaged the super lab and so uh, you know we thought back to that and thought you know you could use a spark gap like that to to melt your way through a zip tie and in fact, you was can. Was this the first one? Was this the first thought? Though, Don't try it at home, you, though. For God's that sake, you guys had as far as trying to get him loose, or did you have other ones that you threw out there? And did we? We have other ideas. I can't remember. I don't know. I was not really in the room when you were breaking that part of it. Oh wait a minute! Yeah. That's right. Yeah. This is this was a this was a, an odd situation uh, and not typical. But we were so pressed for time that you were already writing. Yeah. Because we had almost run out the clock. And this is Act 4 of this episode. And and Jenny, of course, would have been there normally. But uh, we needed a script. And we, this, uh, God, you reminded me. We had an idea. We had something else that we were going to do. But then you guys started talking about the next episode. And so that there were some adjustments that were made. Oh. And then I think what happened is you were talking about those adjustments and then you had this brainwave for this, this was, gag. This was about a dark week, week yeah. and a half, dark, yeah. dark time in the writing. writing you were you writing know. like crazy because <laughs> the script was going to be prepping. The episode was yeah. going to be prepping uh, not too long. This was a tough week uh, because, yeah, we got into episode seven. 
uh, written and directed by Tom Schnauz, uh, and we got into it, and we were thinking, oh, man, have we made a misstep. I think we recarded, which is very unusual for us, we rebroke Act 4 of, of this episode, Episode 6, I think four times. Yeah. Three times for sure, maybe four. Yeah. And we had like three, at least three fundamentally unique different Act 4s. And the problem for us that we kept banging our heads against is, is Walt being active enough? Yeah. And the first couple versions, Walt was was too inactive. And when finally it dawned on us that Walt, because our first version was Jesse has a change of heart based on his dinner with Walt, uh, and he feels bad for Walt because he says, he thinks to himself, you know, uh, gee, Mr. White really does have nothing without me. So he, he comes up with a plan. That was the original version, and that's it what was. you're off to write. Yeah, and and you guys still wanted to talk about it a little bit, but you were like, you should at least start writing. Yeah. So because you know we were really hurting for time, really squeezed. But then it was just like you know Walt would not give up this easy, and it just mm-hmm. kept itching us. It was like yeah. an itch we couldn't scratch. Something's wrong here. What is wrong here? Ah, finally it was like you know Walt would not give in this easily. So then when we finally had the breakthrough of he sneaks in in the middle of the night, then, of course, you want all your characters to be super smart, not just Walt. And so, of course, there's Mike waiting for him. Yep. So then Mike zip ties him, and then Walt has to get out in a very creative fashion. And you want the you want the, uh, the little twist-a-roo of, oh, okay, he's going to break out using the coffee pot. Right. Which maybe was not so smart of Mike to leave so close to him, but nonetheless. But then the damn thing goes rolling across the room. <laughs> Yeah, but that zip tie thing, uh, they, they amped it up. They amped up the electricity using a neon step-up transformer. Wait, before you say that, that was something I want people to totally understand what you're saying here, that basically that zip tie on that fake arm that they did was actually the electric, was an actual electricity. Yeah. There was no, and when I cut that, I thought it was just special effects on the set. I had no idea, but it actually was an electric what we, do you call it again? It's an electric arc. Arc. It's uh, the old school Hollywood lights were carbon arc lamps. The old projectors uh, in movie theaters were, were carbon arc lamps. And the carbon rod is constantly being destroyed in the act of the electric arc giving off heat and light. So you always had to feed them. So you always had uh, lamp operators turning this little knob that would feed in, or you'd have an old uh, mechanical clockwork mechanism feeding in this carbon arc. But there's no carbon here. This, this, the, this is the ends of the copper actually melting as, as the thing is arcing. But, but this is actually, we actually filmed a carbon I No, mean, it's, a, it's not arc. carbon, but it's, it's an electric arc. electric arc to do this. Yes, there is no special there's no here. visual effect animated in. That's, it, it is admittedly not 120 volt uh, 110 volt, whatever, uh, yeah. 15 amp or 20 amp current. It's so it's they just amped it's it up stepped way up to like 12,000 volts oh, through okay. a neon transformer. But but you know I've I've made the mistake of trying to you know fix uh, electricity mm-hmm. electrical outlets around my house without turning the power off first. And yes, you can indeed get a little <laughs> electric arc <laughs> on the end of your yeah. uh, on the end of your uh, screwdriver or whatever. And maybe not one quite that long. That was my next question. Have you done this to yourself? <laughs> I've, I've shocked myself a couple said, times. You said like back in episode number like 103, I think it was that that uh, you've actually, you know, 
what did you guys did something to a car battery your brother did something no my brother car? i was in the house i was like home from college and my four years younger brother was out working on his uh, dodge his 86 daytona and i'm watching tv again uh, all of a sudden I hear this boom <laughs> some somewhere between a shotgun and a hand grenade going off it sounded like <laughs> and we come running out and he had uh accidentally uh shorted out the uh the battery posts uh on his battery and luckily he had it had something had fallen across and and shorted it out and and he had was standing had walked away from it at the time because it could have really maimed him or maybe possibly even killed him but it could have really messed him up good but luckily he was not standing over it at the time but that was what gave me the idea way back when for in season wins. one for uh, Ken wins for Ken uh, wins. Yeah, Ken yeah. Wins. blowing up the uh but anyway I am no expert in electricity uh but uh what I love about the way we shot this thing, the way you guys shot this thing, I wasn't there for it, was uh, 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 K&B Effects, uh, uh, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger, the wonderful guys, their shop and their shop and all their skilled artisans. They did Gus's head. and They did Gus's head. They, they, the they did uh, Victor's throat getting cut, and they do the Walking Dead zombies, and they're brilliantly talented guys, them and their crew, and they... Uh, uh, cast Brian Cranston when he was here at one point, uh, you know, because he goes back and forth from Albuquerque. They cast his arm, and then made a silicone uh, rubber. I imagine it was made out of silicone. Uh, copy of it. I love how they put the hairs on it. Yeah, they, they, they hand painted and put all the hairs in. Someone did that. There were two. They made two. They made two arms. Yeah, yeah in case one got burned up too badly. Yeah, so that we could because we had different levels of burn, and so we wanted to have. We wanted to have oh. two, so we would have, because Colin really wanted to get it all practically, yeah. so he wouldn't have to do any visual effects. And there so are no visual effects. There are no effects. visual effects. It's just wonderfully Not done. for the arm burning, there are no visual you, effects. We cut it a little differently than Colin, and in this one moment, than Colin, I think, intended. There was a wonderful Texas yeah. swap Colin did, where the arm, the fake arm is in frame, and it's really Walt's real, uh, Brian's real other hand melting through the thing. And then, but he's holding the fake arm with his real arm underneath the frame. And then he goes, ah, and he breaks through. And then he drops the real arm out of frame. And then he pulls up, he drops the fake arm out of frame. He pulls up his real arm with a fist. He's holding it in a fist and he's got makeup on. Yeah. All in one uninterrupted All in one take. Hmm. We, we wanted so badly to use it because it was, the, the concept was so brilliant. The trouble is though, he was holding the arm at such an the fake arm at such an angle that it you could kind of tell you couldn't tell the fake arm was fake because it looked fake, but it was way too far away from yeah. him to look real. It just looked yeah the the position was just a little odd. Position looked just a little faky. Yeah, but God, it was so so cool to That's have done that good. practically. I yeah. love the way Colin and the crew did yeah. that. Yeah, and Brian was so great because first of all he's actually zip cuffed to the radiator for the whole sequence where he's like kicking at the cabinet and pulling that down and. I think he actually bruised himself a bit, you know, his wrist. And he really, he and Colin really, and all of us, we, you know, but they really were the ones who sat down and kind of choreographed that whole yeah. thing. And then when he's burning through the tie uh, and holding up the fake arm, I mean, obviously the angle allows there to be greater distance between him and the arm than what appears to be. But, you know, he's fairly close to it. Obviously yeah. we made sure he was safe, but he was such a trooper to just sit there and 
hold this arc. He is and, a trooper. And burn through this thing. And yeah, yeah he was great. Well, this he is a great. man. This That's is a man it. who set himself on fire way back when in episode two hundred one. Set his own arm yeah, on fire. Yeah. Didn't you guys tell me that the, they were a little concerned about his eyes, as far as like? With yeah, this? they were worried that um, not of the flame, but that any debris might because he's burning plastic. plastic. Yeah. Um, so they made sure that his he was he was a reasonable distance away and then you work with your camera lens to make it look oh, like yeah. they're closer but yeah glasses on, so uh, and he had his glasses which gave him some protection but he yeah. definitely you know it was definitely a concern that wow. he not get any plastic on. that him. was a real zip cuff he burned through yeah. and, and there's different levels i didn't know this till the special effects guys explained it to me there's different colors of zip cuffs represent different uh strengths and so the black one, apparently, it's either the black one or the white one is the hardest one of all to oh, cut yeah. through. It's the strongest. Yeah. yeah, and that zip tie actually was a double so that you could go through the middle and um, our props department, you know, kind of cut it down. Yeah. And, and then it was really long, so they sort of smoothed it. So they made it, they basically made it the right size for yeah, us. We, we had just, in man hours, we had probably just a week's worth of discussions oh, just yeah. on, you know, should it be a single? Because a regular zip tie, anyone in law enforcement knows that there's two halves to it, so you can cuff both wrists together. But we figured we'll cut it in half. Hopefully people won't notice because how would it fit in his pocket anyway? And Oh, yeah, it was where would Mike put the thing because yeah. they're huge. Because when they're, yeah, it's like two feet, two and a half feet long when they're, yeah. Wow. There must be some guys out there with some big wrists. Yeah. These things are goddamn They're long. large. They're, they're large. Big boys out there who need zip cuffing, I guess. <laughs> Talk about the music here. You did a great music cue. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's a fun scene, a classic uh, Breaking Bad waltz conundrum kind of get him out of this situation scene and uh, um, with uh, a lot of stops and starts, which is always fun musically. Um because you could lead up to the the coffee pot attempt, uh, which didn't work out yeah. quite how he'd hoped to. I assume that was a plastic coffee pot, by the way. No, they were glass. Oh. The first time he actually <laughs> yanked the coffee pot down, it fell and immediately shattered. I was going to say. <laughs> and then how long to clean everything up? I, well, we have a pretty good crew, yeah, but yeah, fast. it didn't take that long. But also, there's going to be, probably on the DVD, there'll be a shot showing how we got that coffee pot to roll toward the camera because the director was actually in the shot. That's actually cleaned up visual effects. You can see it on the AMC website. Uh, oh, around yeah, about okay. the time you're able to listen to this, you can. there's a making of, there's a couple little making ofs. And they, we have them for every episode this season, and they're really good. You know, uh, tip of the hat to AMC for putting together some really good little mini documentaries. There's one for each episode. One is sort of what the, sums up the episode, and the other, the one I enjoy even more is the one how the, the behind the scenes how it was actually made and then this one you see the footage of colin bowling <laughs> bowling the, bowling yeah, the yeah. thing that right was at still the, in my cut when i was working yeah, on it. So yeah. every time i was doing it, i was watching it was funny it's funny how i yeah. didn't even notice he was in the shot the first three or four times i saw yeah, it yeah. and then diane mercer and bill Pulowski and and their very able teams digitally erased the director from the shot because he he was in the shot bowling the thing toward yeah, and he was toward. actually in the actual globe you could actually see through the glass yeah, yeah. Through the glass. Mm-hmm. that so, was the hard part to erase yeah. apparently nice nice work yeah, on getting him out of that great yeah. scene well, <laughs> they, they do a great job but so mike um mike leaves to go uh he has a meeting with saul and hank and uh and gomez to get uh them to lift this uh what they uh, i'm sorry um help me out here they he wants him to stop the surveillance. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wants to. He's going to put a TRO, a temporary restraining order, 
Yeah, which is basically crap, but it's enough <laughs> It's enough that um, he just needs enough time yeah. to get the methylamine and sell the methylamine. It's not meant to really do anything other than yeah. put them on a temporary pause, which is why Saul is kind of wringing his hands in the car afterwards. Saying, this is a bad this plan. This is a bad plan. Mm-hmm. But this I, is a bad I plan. still love when you tell him, you know, when what's the line that you, you that you wrote for Saul to say, you know, that they're, they're – Bothering a senior citizen. Oh yeah, uh, police <laughs> harassment of a senior citizen. And then he goes, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of apologizing lot in this episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then Mike gives him this glare. It's great. Um, but so so basically, Mike Mike he tells Mike he got about what 24 hours, and Mike's like, you know, because they're listening, they're listening to what they're saying on the little computer from the bug, and uh, Mike's like, that's enough. And then he goes back to the office and sees that the methylamine is indeed gone now. Yeah. Tell him about the... Oh, sorry. Storming in there. No, storming. Well, I'm just... One last... Uh, about that scene. I wasn't there, but you told me that uh, Mike... Uh, or rather, Jonathan Banks and uh, Bob Odenkirk, who plays Saul, were real troopers because they're in that caddy up on oh, that rooftop yeah. parking deck, and it was, like, oh, yeah. hot, oh, hotter God, than so hotter funny. than the bejesus bell or whatever. That was, that was the very first thing we shot for this episode, and, yeah, we were on top of a rooftop parking deck, and they're in the car, and... Um, you know, during the scene, you cannot have the car running, so there's no AC in there for, for sound. For sound. Yeah. Um, so there's no AC in there. So and and they're both wearing jackets, and yeah, it was it was, it was like 106 that day. It anyway, was really hot. We were all everybody was you know we were getting the special speeches about making sure you stay hydrated, and then you know every time the shot would end, Jonathan would like throw the door open and just oh, he yeah. was they were melting in there. <laughs> so thank you guys yeah. for enduring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, heart. And yeah, then he comes in, art. Yeah, and then he comes, he, storming, he comes in there. storming in. He slams looks like a, Jesse yeah. on the desk, slams Walt down in the chair. Looks like a badass. Holds a gun on Walt. And that great cue there, the yeah. last cue of the last mm-hmm. cue of the show. Mm-hmm. Big, big uh, pushed towards the end of the episode there with the great, uh, great climax to it. And I just, I love the, love the way that was put together. That whole Did a final scene. Talk about, talk about. A long cue versus a short cue. You would think I would be an absolute layperson. I would think a shorter cue would be easier than a longer cue, just by its sheer virtue of its size. But sometimes it seems the opposite way. It is true. I I, I think it varies, but yeah. but sometimes short cues can be very very tough to do, um, just because there just isn't enough time to. So I, I would imagine the same for writing words. It's just if you don't have don't have enough time. It, to say the things you need to say, the, it's uh, it's that much harder to, 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 to say it quickly without sounding like you're saying it quickly, emotionally. Yeah. You know, get 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 everything in that into that tight period of that makes of space. sense when you word it that way. It makes perfect yeah. sense because we don't you don't like using what what is known in the business as stings. Yeah, we try to avoid that just because uh, it's just not the style of our show. Yeah. Um, T- tell them what a sting is. A sting, a sting, as you see, um, you know, on a lot of TV shows, uh, will be the sort of the, the not. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you. I'll let Kelly do it. <laughs> that is, I guess, that's the all-time <laughs> that, classic. The old classic time dun, sting. Dun, 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 you know, dun, dun, yeah, telling yeah. the audience essentially yeah, yeah. that, uh, yeah. oh my goodness, they need to be uh, on the edge of their seat. And and it usually is used uh, in a in a moment to take you in or out of commercials, which is right. sort of a, a way to sort of keep the audience, uh, yeah, you know, gl- glued in. But uh, we don't we don't uh, 
generally need to do that, and we yeah. don't. Um, but uh, so we don't. As a result, thankfully, we don't. It makes it easier for me. We don't have a lot of cues that are ten seconds long. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. just don't do that. Yeah. If there isn't enough time to say something properly musically that helps to enhance the story, we just don't do it. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But you'd like at least what? At least there's no hard and fast rule, probably at least forty-five seconds. At I least think a that's probably about right. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think we've ever really done much that's been under forty-five seconds. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. sense. Well, makes the sense. main title. Well, that's a whole other. <laughs> that's a whole, other, and that's very hard. Yeah, yeah. Writing a main title but and you saying did the main something. Title. Even before we like turned the pilot in, we had that main title. Oh yeah, that was long like, you time didn't ago. Long it, time did you? ago. It was like there were a, there were a few versions that got thrown around. Really? Yeah, but the, I mean, once it w- once a version was settled on, that was it wasn't revived. But it was before the show aired, right? It's, oh yeah, yeah, long yeah. before. I'd yeah. love to hear what the first version was if you still have it. I do right. have them. I'd actually, love to yeah. hear those. I still have yeah. your director's cut, by the way, with all of that. Music all that crazy there. music I put <laughs> in before I met Dave and before I met Thomas Goljevich. I'm embarrassed by it now i came in uh kelly was the uh editing assistant on that and lynn willingham was the wonderful editor on the pilot and i and 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 no offense to the x-files was a very different animal uh, it's like comparing an apple to an orange but on the x-files our music was wall to wall although it was not source music we had very very little source music in other words a song a pre-existing song everything was was Marvelous Score written by Mark Snow, who's an excellent composer. But it was very different philosophically mm-hmm. than this show. But I had no Mark Snow when we were cutting the pilot. I had no Dave Porter. I had no Thomas Goliabich yet. And I brought my iPod in after we had the picture locked. And a whole big duffel bag of CDs. And a whole duffel bag of CDs. Uh, like a big duffel bag. <laughs> and we just went through, and I put wall-to-wall temp track in there. And I'm embarrassed by it now. It's not that they were. Well, it's no, not that they were bad it's songs. It's a learning experience. But it was. Uh, it was. I like, and I got to give credit uh, to an executive, Christina Wayne, who uh, at AMC at the time, who said, "Nah." She she didn't like it, and I got annoyed <laughs> with her. I said, You're "What's like, wrong nah. with it?" And she said something very smart that I'll never forget. She said, "Do you not trust that this is good? That no. this pilot is good?" And no. I said, "What do you mean?" She says, "The music. You, you have so much damn music in here. It's like." You don't believe in the product. Right. You're just you're trying to you're trying to to gin it up or whatever the word you're trying to tart it up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with all this extra music. And she was right. And I love the way we do it now, where the music is very sparse, uh, but when we use it, it's wonderful always. And it's uh, but we don't we for don't, a purpose. Yeah, we don't wall yep. the wall it. Yep. So, yep. and then I want to offer one last thought uh, musically because I guess we probably got to. We should. Yeah, we shouldn't wrap this up. But uh, when you can't, unfortunately, it's a crime against music but uh, and against our crew. But uh, unfortunately, you, you don't see the credits on this show every week when you're watching it on TV. Uh, you know, it's every every network does this, certainly not just ours. But, I mean, you know, as you as you well know, the, the credits all get squeezed into a tiny little box and they run at 150 <laughs> miles an hour. But Dave Porter does great, uh, does a different, version of the Breaking Bad theme at the end of every episode and you will only really partake of it if you watch this show on Blu-ray or on DVD or I suppose on, on I Netflix. Guess on iTunes. Are Dave, iTunes, is, hopefully. Dave, is this mm-hmm. a little too early to say that Dave is releasing a, aren't you releasing a soundtrack CD? I am actually at the risk of sounding self-promotional. <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks, talk about thanks it. Thanks yeah. to uh, ahead, we, no, This is us. I know, it supports the show. Mm-hmm. I, I, and Thanks to Vince and uh, our producer uh, Melissa Bernstein and our our friends uh, at Sony Pictures Television was able to produce a, uh, a CD, an album that's going to come out. Should be out by our season finale, if not sooner. 
slightly nice. sooner, so check out for of score, my, my original score from from the show. It's uh, 20 pieces, uh, including the piece from the teaser of this episode. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, when you say by season finale, you mean by the end of... this? I'm sorry, this season. This, this season, so, so... two weeks from now, three weeks from now. So, so August or early August, September of 2012. Yeah, I believe it's August 28th. It's released, but I'm not sure. August 28th, so 2012. are any of those end credit pieces going to be on? Um, they are not. Ah, they are not, Blu-ray. because, because yeah, 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 that's a special thing. you got to... And, and that's how I sort of viewed it that way. First of all, I, I love doing it because it's uh, it's it's a way to kind of we have so many episodes that end with you know everybody at the edge of their couch, uh, and it's it's a really nice way to to kind of re-encapsulate the feeling of that that episode. And a few seconds, like for this episode, actually, uh, I whistled the theme. That's which right, is, yeah. Which is, a, which is a very strange one, actually, but <laughs> but uh, but it worked great because yeah. obviously uh, Walt's whistling is, is such a huge yeah. uh, pivotal thing that that that, that changes uh, everything, all the dynamics of, in, yeah. in this episode. You're but right. uh, but there are lots of different versions, and, and yeah. they're always always fun to do. And there may even be one. Am I dreaming this? Where we you decided we all decided? I think it was your thought to go without any music at all. Have we done that? Was it Jane after Jane? No. It wasn't after Jane. Have we not done I feel like we had a discussion, you know, but it all runs together in my head after 50-some episodes. Yeah, we've certainly talked about it. I don't know that we've ever done it. Okay. Actually. Not saying we should have. No, no, no. But But anyone uh, watching the show, yet another reason. They say I'm I'm just like P.T. Barnum here. But I mean it. Yet another reason to buy the Blu-ray or the DVD when when it's available. (laughs) At the end of every episode is is, uh, some great music by Dave. Uh, and also, you get to see the credits, not not squeezed into a <laughs> tiny little, you know, uh, right. black hole sized little spot. A and lot of very talented people who work very, 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 hard, very hard on this show. Yeah, and uh, we wouldn't be anywhere where we are without them. That's true. We yeah. wouldn't have a show without them. Yep. Yeah. So we have twenty pieces that uh, span all five seasons that we've done so far of Score. Uh, look for it on iTunes and Amazon. Right on. Now, what does that mean? You you get it and and you download it, or is there a physical CD you can get? You have either either choice. Uh, at iTunes, you can buy the MP3s, just like you would download any other album. Gotcha. Uh, presumably without the, I mean, to get some sort of artwork these days, I guess, when you download something from iTunes. But if right. you want the actual physical CD and the booklet, you can do that too through Amazon. Cool. Wow. Right on. I'm, well, I'm going to be ordering. <laughs> you won't need to, I promise. Yeah. Right. I'll put one in your stocking. That was a, that was a hint. <laughs> um, you know, Thank I was, was going to, the last thing I was going to mention was that the last thing that Walt says used to be, I believe, used to be the title of the next episode, but I don't think it is anymore, is it? No. no. It was originally called Everybody Wins. Yes. And now it is called. The next episode is called. Um, Say my name. Say my name. Yeah, episode five hundred seven, and that'll be our podcast for next week. Right after you guys have seen that episode, uh, written directed by Tom Schnauz. 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 First time he ever. Uh, I I was his director of photography on his uh, NYU thesis film when we were wow. juniors or seniors. Did he make uh-huh. you wear a clown suit too? No, no I I uh, he he could have done better DP wise, but uh, I did my best. Let's say, uh, but uh, this episode. Did he get an A. You know, that's a damn good question. Did I don't you get an A. I don't remember. You know, letter grades—they were not sound artsy fartsy, but they just—I just sort of intrinsically knew. I mean, when you when you're a, in law school or med school or whatever, your grades actually—I imagine they got to count for quite a lot. I never—I don't really remember paying any attention to my letter grades because it was, 
it was film school. It was just like, who am I going to meet that's going places after this that I can leech on to? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, no one. I've never ran it. I've never run into anyone in twenty some years in the business who really cared where I went to school, or or if they did care, it was in a it was in a, a sort of a anecdotal way. Oh, I went to NYU. Or no one ever asked me what I what what grade point average I graduated. I'm with. asking now. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was probably it was probably not that good. It was probably really? uh, like a B. Oh, that's pretty good. Like a three point two point eight or a three point oh or something. It was <laughs> I was not I was not into that. I'm not saying I shouldn't have been. I'm just saying I was not. But did you do well in the screenwriting classes? I think it, yeah, I did. I did in the sense that uh, I had a wonderful screenwriting professor named Jesse Kornbluth, who was uh, uh, at the time was a, a regular contributor to Vanity Fair magazine, and he's a great guy. Uh, he's he's still out there. He's uh, I think he's got a really interesting uh, 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 blog now that he does. Really smart guy. Really excellent writer. And he uh, had. Uh, uh, a few years before I was there at NYU, he got Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus uh, was one of his students, a guy who went on to write uh, The Goonies, write and direct The hmm. Goonies. No, he didn't think, direct it. I'm sorry, he wrote The Goonies. Wow. You're right, you're right. And he wrote, uh, anyway, you know, big, 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 big director. And um, The first two Harry Potter films. First two Harry Potter films, <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank Home you. Alone. Home he Alone, my God, huge, Home Alone. Huge, yeah, huge, record. huge guy. And he was a student, uh, Jesse's student, and Jesse got him his first uh, agent and jesse uh when i we, that was that story was legend at that point and and i was very lucky that jesse took my first script uh and sent it along to ronda gomez who became my first agent and the first script i wrote for jesse's class at nyu was home fries which got made with drew barrymore and luke wilson in the late 90s about about nine or ten years after i graduated college and uh yeah so that's how i i knew uh that uh the uh Fifty thousand plus dollars a year <laughs> to go to NYU had not been wasted. So your, mom, so, you, so your mom, the school teacher, didn't mind so much about your GPA then. Uh, she was uh, very supportive, uh, and uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I think she understood it was an art school, and uh, ultimately, and it was a good school. NYU was a good school. No, it was a good school. Met a lot of good people. Met a lot of good people. <laughs> All right. So uh, next episode is called again. What is it called? Next episode is oh, called say my, say, name, my name. say my Name, Bitch, Say My Name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this episode was? Uh, this episode was Buyout. 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 <laughs> and and Emery did a great job. Jenny did a great job. Colin Buxy, excellent work. Yeah, this is one of my favorites of the season, yeah. and, hands down. And, and again, I just want to say how awesome our cast and crew was. You know, They just yeah. really worked very hard on this episode and they, did an excellent job. They crushed it, did a great job. And and wonderful wonderful music from Mr. Porter. Thank you. Excellent. Always my pleasure. Excellent work. Great fun. And looking forward to the album. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. All right, everybody. See you next week. Go break bed. <laughs>